0: Thank you for joining us on our Family First Life Tri-State, Serve the People podcast. We appreciate you tuning in, spending your time to develop and grow with us. Follow us, please, on all our social media platforms at Family First Life Tri-State or FFL Tri-State. We love you. Keep listening. And I hope this information is serving you across the country. All right, everybody. Thank you for jumping on with us. Our Your Story podcast, one of my faves, as you all know. My, my, my loyal listeners know how I feel about the Your Story podcast and the fact that we could find something about, find some things out about someone in 20, 25 minutes, more than we could find out in four or five hours sitting with them because it's so potent, and I got a great guest on today, the, the young but hungry, dynamic Caleb Combs, part of FFL 320 Life Solutions, and I want him to talk about some of the things that has turned him into who he is today. Very wise, sophisticated, and opportunistic. So, Caleb, how we doing, my man? I'm good. I'm good. It's a pleasure having yeah. you on, brother.
1: I appreciate you letting me come on with you guys.
0: Absolutely. You've made, you've made quite a way, way for yourself uh, early on here. And, um, you know, at a tender young age. But <clears throat> something happened in your life to position you with this level of business acumen, intelligence, and ability to want to make things happen and not be afraid to make things happen and understand the work ethic that it takes to do that. That's what we want to know, sir. What are some of the things that made you the man you are today? I'd appreciate you sharing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll start right at the beginning. I mean, I'm, I'm young, so I don't have too much of a story, but I definitely got one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I come from a
0: family of nine, so
1: six boys, one girl. Wow. Uh,
0: both. Yeah. That's I like mean, me, I, man. I, there's eight of us, <laughs> you know, but nine. Wow. Okay. And where do you lie yeah. in that?
1: I'm directly the middle.
0: Okay. Middle yeah. Got it. Love it. Let's go. Yes.
1: Yeah. So come from, you know, six siblings. So there's seven of us all together. You know, my parents, they decided at a very young age to homeschool us. So we're all homeschooled. Um, you know, wow. I did a lot of extra extra activities outside of that. Uh, but both of my parents work from home. So I will tell you right off the bat, they were the ones who impacted me the most. Both of them wow. are entrepreneurs. Nice. They both have their own company, things that they're doing. Um, ultimately, I can't really pick one over the other because they both <laughs> did a ton of work. They both were always working, but they always had enough time for us. Hey, good so,
0: idea. Do not pick one over the other. No, absolutely. (laughs) You know,
1: and honestly, one of the big things that I remember saying at the conference a couple weeks ago is that my parents were able to always give us time, give us attention. We went on vacation when they wanted to; they controlled everything. So I grew up with that kind of lifestyle, Mm. right? You know, if I needed something from my dad, I could just go knock on the door, and you know, unless he was recording or doing something, you know, he'd always answer. Same with my mom; she'd work downstairs. So always surrounded by family, right? And that was obviously one of the most important things. So we're all all very close. We're all now spread across the United States. You know, I think there's only one kid at home and one about to go to college. Mm. So we all have kind of, you know, grown up a little bit. But I tell you, one of, the, one of the biggest people that have impacted my life would, I'd say, my parents. You know, they put us in all these different activities, gave us a lot of opportunities growing up that ultimately shaped myself and my siblings into, you know, the men and the lady that we are. Right, and wow. uh, I'll say one of the things that they they include us in was speech and debate. So I huh. I can't remember. I think it was six or seven. I started doing that. Um, it was all with homeschool homeschool kids though. So every single month we would be memorizing books. We'd wow. be doing these plays. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'd be debating about real world issues, and we'd get to regionals, to nationals, etc. So we were wow. traveling every single month doing these competitions.
0: <laughs> I love and, that.
1: And I'll tell you right now, homeschool students. You know, we have you always hear people making jokes about them, but I'm not saying myself, but I have met some of the smartest people there, homeschooled 15 year olds, 16 year olds. And I'll I'll tell you right off the bat, I ultimately believe it's because the parents are there to ultimately help them Mm. one-on-one hours throughout the day. Mm. And that's something that definitely my parents helped us with. But that's what really got me into speaking, into doing business and such. So from a young age, all the way up until I was 18, I was doing speech and debate across the United States. I Uh
0: want to, before we go any further, I want to touch on this home. Like, I think most people can relate at least to some resemblance of homeschool after the pandemic. My wife was a teacher, second grade teacher for 10 years. When the kids got sent home, she taught them. And then we pulled them out of curriculum for a year and did homeschooling, like real homes, like what you did. Um, And like... (sighs) Not for nothing, but my son wants to do homeschool still. Like, he's like, I don't want to. I just want to go home. Can we do homeschool? I'm like, son, this was never part of the program. But I do, <laughs> I, I I love what you said, that the homeschool kids are some of the smartest kids you meet because one thing my wife would always say is that, like, man, he's a fast learner. I can keep taking him. He doesn't have to stay on a course or curriculum. We can just keep going. So I get, And that was, like, kind of fascinating. And maybe I'm asking you these questions for my own edification. <laughs> <laughs> but that just sounds like a huge part of your story. So can you just uncover it a little bit more? It just sounds like a really big part of your story.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, if we go a couple of years back, I don't remember. I was probably 12 or 13. My grandmother, she was diagnosed with cancer. She had a lot of medical issues. And so I remember my mom was like, "Hey, I'm flying to Florida," um, and a couple of days later they said, "You know, it doesn't look good." So our parents they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna drive you there." So my mom went there already. My dad drove the rest of us kids there in the car, like a two day two day drive because I'm originally from New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I remember we get there and her health it was just on a constant decline, and then it would get better, and then get worse. And obviously, you know, this is our grandmother, so we wanted to be with her if something happened. And I remember we stayed in our aunt's house at the time. And thankfully, with being homeschooled, you can literally do it anywhere. Right. So, I mean, we go back from doing it online. We do it on, in books. And I remember that was one of the biggest benefits for my family was because we travel so much, or little issues would happen here and there. On that trip, we were able to do homeschool. We were able to continue furthering our education while we had these obstacles coming up in our family life and personal life. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest problems with homeschool is... You can create too much freedom for yourself. <laughs> and with seven kids, uh, you know it's a little difficult, especially with everyone in different grade. I mean, the youngest at the time, I don't know, four or five, and the oldest was late twenties. So all of us were in several different grades. But then the, myself, my other brother, who was a year younger than the other one's was like three or four years younger. For some reason, I remember you know because we're homeschooled, my parents can give us that opportunity to work for their head, like you said. And suddenly you got this, you know, eight-year-old, nine-year-old who's in the same grade as myself, you know, not making me that happy. And, uh, you know, but it helps. So definitely during that time, we ended up planning on going there for a week or two. We ended up staying six months. Wow. Um, Florida, yep. Yeah. And it just really showed me that being an entrepreneur like my parents, putting your kids in a homeschool environment where they can do it from anywhere, really can change your life. I mean, wow. all the opportunities at church with school, with everything, all because they put us in that position from a young
0: age. Very, very interesting. Wow. Very fascinating. Are you sold out to, you know, obviously you don't have kids yet, but when you have kids that you're homeschooling them? I'm going to homeschool them. Well,
1: the wife's going to homeschool them. I'm going to be there so I can help, but obviously I I think homeschool is a much better environment, especially, you know, with the way the world is right now. Um, It's safer, you know, and like I said, a lot of the kids I've met are a lot smarter when they were homeschooled. Um, you know what they're te- they're being taught because you're the teacher. Right. Right. That's pretty good. And ultimately, <laughs> I, you know, we thought. I'm my getting sold and I here, Peter. Always, <laughs> Peter's looking
0: at my face looks like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even
1: have kids yet. And I know. About it I know. Time.
0: I know. Are you married?
1: And I've been like, I'm married. Yep.
0: You are. Yeah, you guys get married young. Jesus. All 320. <laughs> All right. So, and she <laughs> agrees, obviously, with this point.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about putting them in school for like the first year or two, get the basics down Mm -hmm. and then because that's going to be the most difficult. Mm -hmm. I truly believe the last years and the first years are the most difficult. Mm -hmm. So get those basics down and take them out. And then, you know, Christian school, who knows? But I think we're going to homeschool pretty positive.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. So you've always kind of been wired to have an independent mindset and somewhat of a passion for business. Yes. Yes. How did that unfold? How did those conversations with your parents unfold? Did you ask a lot of questions? Was it something that they just instilled in you? Did they bring you? Did they like sit you down a lot and say, "Hey, blah blah blah"? Or were you much more of a seeker of the information? Definitely a seeker.
1: Um, I watched my parents a lot, especially my dad. You know, he was always he'd come to us at dinner. Hey, I just had this idea for this, or I'm going to try this up. And I've always been like a one-on-one business mindset with him. So I would go in his room and we'd sit there and just talk for hours about the craziest things, mm. right? Start tank ideas, this and that, <laughs> you know? And I remember all the time. And growing up, we'd go to these different conferences with him. He was a writer at the time. And I remember he won writer of the year. And that was a big thing. You know, I went there, staying up on the stage with him, our whole family. And I was like, you know, I want this. I want to do something that ultimately... It's helping other people, it's impacting other people, and he was really there, helpful to show us. Mm. And I knew that when it came to business-wise, if I had an idea, it doesn't matter if I was six, I'd go up to him and he would <laughs> sit there logistically and tell me, step by step, why it was good or why it was bad.
0: <laughs> and, you know. That's great. That's yeah, so it was definitely helpful. Yeah, I can imagine that having an amazing impact. So you're still, you know, you know at this point, <clears throat> you're not even out of high school yet, right? What happens in high school that makes you say, you know, I'm going to drive this thing over the cliff and I want to, I want to do something independent. What, what, what takes place for you?
1: Oh, I mean, my entire life I've known I'm going to be independent. God. I never liked, I worked at, you know, Chick-fil-A and all these different places here and there. I loved it for the time being, but I wanted to be independent for sure. And you know, it was just seeing the lifestyle my parents create. I wanted the same things I think for myself. Oh. So going into high school, you know, obviously it's a little. I had a I had a company for a while when I was younger. It was a magazine, and I remember I was reaching out to schools. I was going, holding these booths at these conferences with thousands of people, and I had I had readers for the magazine from everywhere. I had several writers for it, and I remember there came a point where I was just so self consumed, right, and it was. Not really about helping all these people around me. I mean, when I say readers, we had readers in every single state, several Mm -hmm. different countries. And it just became more of, wow, look at me kind of thing. And I kind of got tired of it. I was like, you know, this is kind of annoying. I'm annoying myself. (laughs) And uh, I just ended it. I remember I just stopped it. I sent out a little email to all the readers, thousands. I was like, we're done. (laughs) And I was like... I was like 15 or 16 at the time. You know, not saying it was a smart decision, but <laughs> at that point, I started working at, uh, you know, jobs, W 2 jobs. And then coming out of high school into college, I worked a W 2 job for a little while. And then I was like, you know, I really don't want to be working for other people with a college schedule. You know, and if I'm not in control of it, it really impacts you, especially I went to a Christian college. So, you know, more strict than a normal college. Mm. You know, have to be back by a certain time, be up by a certain time. Mm. So it was, it was a lot more difficult at certain points. Sure. So, and that definitely role, plays into how I found FFL being independent throughout college as well.
0: That's amazing, bro. Um, so you were in? Where do you, are you in school now?
1: I'm gonna be finishing up online.
0: God, <laughs> <laughs> so taking that little break right now. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, let's let's jump into it. You know, how'd you find FFL? OK. And how did this become something like if you knew you were going to be independent all your life, how did you say that's it? That's it. How would you do that? How would that happen?
1: Sure. I mean, that was ultimately something I worried about for a really long time was figuring out what I wanted to do. Mm. I mean, my whole life and I didn't even go into this as much, but I've, I've been doing sales since I was like five going to church, selling comic books that were half ripped out pages. I'm telling you, I loved it. And
0: uh,
1: ultimately, I came uh, came to college, and I was looking for something. I remember the dean and man. He's like, "Hey, I got this guy, Tyler Man, Joe Bass. So they have some company selling these systems. You know, give him a call." I was like, "Okay, fine." This is, this is the
0: college. This is the Bible College in Indiana. Yeah, the same exact college they went. Okay, to. got it. So they kept ties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these guys are incredible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they leave no stones unturned.
1: Not at all. Got it. And so keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I see this piece of paper and I'm, he's like, "Hey, they're former graduates. You know, give him a call." So I call him up and this, you know, there's this guy Tyler, Super Hyperman, and he's just talking and talking. And I remember he's like, "You want to do?" It? I was like, "Yeah." It's like I just I just need a job that's not working under somebody else. You know, obviously they're they're my upline, they're in charge of me, and my mentors, but I was independent, so I was in control of everything. Right. And I remember. I got a couple guys there. I was like, "Hey, I got this job. I haven't started yet." At this mm-hmm. point, I was like, "It sounds amazing, you know." And I'm, I will say yes to anything, any opportunity. And I remember I was like, "Just do it. Just quit your job. Just try it." They quit their jobs. They came out with me, and uh, I worked for Joe and Tyler for a couple of months in the in the freezing cold in Chicago and Indiana. <laughs> you know, going door to door, and I I built a pretty close relationship with Tyler at that point. Joe a little bit, not as much because he was more you know all the back-end stuff, Tyler was one-on-one helping us, and none of the other guys stuck around. It was just me in the end. Mm. And I remember I'm in my car one day, and Tyler's like, bro, you sitting down? I was like, yeah. I was just in my car, right? And he goes, I had this opportunity that Joe told me about, and I did not believe him. He's like, but I'm sending you something. Check real quick. And he sends me over a bunch of these bank statements and all this stuff, and he's like, you need to join the team. And I haven't even said anything at this point. <laughs> Like I'm just I think I was nineteen, I'm this nineteen year old guy. And I was like, okay. And he's just telling me and going off about FFL. And he's like, You wanna do it? I was like, Yeah. (laughs) I I, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little tired of the job at that point. Right. And he's like, But you gotta get your license. I was like, Okay, fine. I'm in college, you know, I was on the dean's list, I was doing well. Mm -hmm. Now he sends me all this stuff, and I think at this point I'm about to head home for the summer and I signed up with my email. I get the course, and I'm doing it. I plowed through it, and I finally get – I think it was like a month or two that I got through it. I did the bare minimum. I'm telling you right now. I did the absolute bare minimum. If it passed the 70, I did the 70, and I was done. <laughs> and I get to that exam, and I was like, hey, I'm going to go take it. I got to take it, and I failed by 1%. Wow. And I'm telling you, I have – I don't know if it's a memory thing, if it was just I did it on purpose, but if it's not important to me, I will forget it like that right and it was not important to me the job the, everything sounded good about it but the, the course wasn't i remember i i text tell him like bro i just failed and he's like man you're so close he's like do it again i was like okay and the whole time they're telling me joe and tyler are saying hey just do that uh exam time after time five six times get an 80 or 90 and then you'll pass i was like okay and i listened I, I heard them right and i remember i got to take it and I failed with like a 50%. What? And long story short, six months later, I'm I'm at five times failing. Wow! And Tyler's texting me, bro, I got a team, you know, just come on in, just quickly get this exam. And I was like, bro, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm doing it. I mean, I was doing it. I was going and taking the exam, but I wasn't uh, <laughs> like getting that 80% or doing it three or four times. I do it once, take me three or four hours because I didn't want to actually sit down and do it. And it was just ultimately I didn't put my mind to it because when I do, I'll do it. And I remember I'm looking online through Instagram. I'm married at this point, right? So I'm becoming a little desperate for something that's different from my, my job I have at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like December. I got married a week before Christmas. I get back from the honeymoon, and I'm sitting in the bed, and I was like, Stephanie, I need to just think and do this test. I'm so stupid. This is dumb. And I was like, I literally got through it. Why can't I just do this thing and test? And I'm sitting there. I was like, I'm going to do it. So I go to Starbucks, and I did the, the exam like seven or eight times like every day for a week. And mm-hmm. I remember I just finally started listening to what Tyler and Joe were actually saying to do. I didn't just hear, it, but I listened and I ended up, I, I, at this point, actually I had told Stephanie, I was like, look, I'm scrolling through Instagram. And I, the reason I said that was because I see this ad saying Kevin O'Leary is going to be at convention. And I love, I love his show. And I was like, I'm going to see Kevin O'Leary, Got it. but not yeah. unless I pass this test. Like I will set boundaries for myself. If I don't meet this goal, I ain't doing it. Right. And I was like, "But that's not it. I'm not talking to Tyler again until I pass it." Got it. I was okay. like, and at this point, I felt bad. I didn't want him to seem like I was leading him on, so I'm like, "I'm just not gonna text him." So he's texting me all these different things. That mm-hmm. I just wouldn't respond. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Not until I pass the test." And finally, I go and take the test in uh, January, and I passed with a 95. I was like, "I texted." Wow. I was like, <laughs> 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 <Dag>. that's crazy."
0: <laughs> That's crazy. So you got to see Kevin O'Leary at convention.
1: Yeah. Now we were literally, I remember Tyler and I was like, if I'm here to see Kevin O'Leary, I'm going to the front where we sat there the
0: entire time. We got front seats. That's awesome, amazing. Dude. That's really awesome. So you leave convention and when did you start making your first sales? Yeah, I mean, I kind of had struggles at
1: first, um, and I know I I explained it a little bit, but I had just moved to Florida at this point because I got married, and my Florida license was not approved, but I had my New Hampshire. And so I had that predicament where I had to do virtual, right? And so I didn't get my contract numbers, I think, for two or three weeks. So towards the end of February, I did my first sale. Um, I sold to a friend that was the only friend since then. You know, I just (laughs) – know only limited people, right? But – (laughs) uh. Yeah, and that's a whole other thing to get into, but I, I was virtual at that point, so my first show was towards the end of February.
0: Got it. So when did this click for you that um, you could kill it? At convention. I mean, I, I
1: put my mind to something it's going to happen. There's like I'll tell every single person around me that it's going to happen because I will look stupid if it doesn't. Mm. And I want that to happen. I absolutely hate embarrassment, and I hate failure. And there's going to be times where I fail, but I remember I was at convention. I told Tyler, I pulled this out. I was like, look bro," I said. I'm telling you right now. I'll be the youngest integrity partner. And he was huh. like, okay, bro, do it. And I was like, okay, I will. <laughs> and I remember I leave convention, and I was just pumped up, but I had no writing numbers. And then this whole problem with my Florida license just still waiting on it happens. I was like, Tyler, bro, I can't even start. And at this point, virtual wasn't that well-known in the FFL you know, field. And he's like, bro, you're just going to have to do virtual. And so I remember taking a travel trip. I went up there, and the first home I went into – it was a stinking blizzard I said. I sat there for like three hours. The guy was like, "He's this, you know, this dude. He's like, I'm not coming out. I, I worked on that." I was like, "Bro, I am sitting here until you open the door." And, and I was there on a little vacation in the winter, you know, trying to do a couple, you know, protect a couple families here and there. And he finally opened the door, and I helped protect him and his wife. And that was
0: that was the only one.
1: that was the only one for that trip. Um, and then at that point, Great. I was like, you know what, I like these in-home things. But then I got home and I was like, but I can't be taking a travel trip to New Hampshire every week. Mm-hmm. And I still don't have my Florida license, by the way. still waiting. <laughs> and I was like, Tyler, I just have to go virtual. And he's like, well, you're going to have to do double this and double that. And I, So I did it. And, and I ended up clicking at the part where I was like, look, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to have to sacrifice some things. I remember telling Stephanie, look, things are going to be a little different for now. I'm still going to be here every day. You know, there's not going to be an issue with our personal life, but I'm going to have to invest double, do double the work. And that's when I ended up clicking. That's when I put my mind to it. So I'm going to do it. It happened. Nice.
0: And you start helping, you know, 40 families a month. You know, and, you know, what has that felt like for you? Just going out there and serving people at that capacity.
1: It's awesome. You know, especially considering, I mean, I've I've had no death claims so far. I've had a lot of issues, like I explained at the conference with, with people who passed and calling me asking if they had any coverage, all emotional over the phone, I couldn't do anything. Mm. So once I started seeing the families protected and that it wasn't about me and I was actually putting them first, that's when it ultimately started impacting me the most. I know definitely in May it was a big one. That was It was a large month, helped 42 families protect them. But that was also the month with the most you know emotional factor. I had more people call me that month with people passing. Mm. And... I'd be on the phone with them, and they're saying, hey, I mean, there's this." I, I didn't even tell this story at a convention, but I remember I was on the phone, and this lady, you know, and her husband, she's like, hey, I want protection, disabled vet, and I was like, hey, that, yeah, let's do it. I pre- was able to help protect her, but her husband was like, no, 30-year-old man, he's like, I don't want to do it. I was I was trying to pressure him a little bit, but I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. And over the phone, you got to be careful, because they can just hang up. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to hang up rather than kicking you out of a home, and I remember, I was like, okay, I didn't push him too far, and we ended up going up. You know about our ways. Lady was protected. He wasn't. A week later, I get a call. I was like, "Hey, how you doing?" And she's just like, "Not good." And then she just starts crying, saying her husband died of a heart attack the week before, wow. like a couple days ago. And I was like, "And she's asking me, is there anything you can do? Any coverage?" And there was nothing. Absolutely zero. Nothing I could do because I didn't, you know, stand firm. And I was not like, "Hey, look, you need to get this." And at that point i was like i will no longer just sit there and just be like okay with things and so i will i won't pressure them but i'm gonna literally play out their life and say hey in five years if you pass this 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 and that's gonna happen and it's gonna be your fault because you didn't protect because you didn't protect your family Hmm. because ultimately i'm not doing this for me they're not protecting themselves for themselves they're doing it for their family right and that is why may i can ultimately say was my you know most successful month helping that many families because I decided to let them see that they got to put their family first, just like I'm putting them first. And ultimately that's why you start to see the success.
0: That's freaking fantastic. You are, you are a stud, man. We, we've we definitely got to get you on some podcast doing some sales training because there's a lot more coming out of you um, <laughs> very soon here. But I, listen, I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, if, <clears throat> if there was a parting shot that you could give to, an agent listening, what would it be?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll make it real quick, but I remember a convention. You say it a lot. You know, you read what you sell. It's a passage in the Bible we hear all the time. One thing that really resonates with me, and I thought about this at convention as well, is we are the seeds. Our agents that come in, they are the seeds. And if you want a plant to grow, you got to water it, You got to give the sunshine, the nutrients. But I can't grow you. Right? Joe can't grow me. I can't grow an agent. Mm -hmm. I can give you everything you need the sunshine, the water, the nutrients. But if you don't actually apply it, you're not going to grow. And I'll tell any new agent, you know, we're going to be there to give you every single possible thing you need. But if you don't take that and apply it to your own personal life, as well as, you know, your life here with FFL you know you're not going to see that success and you're not going to grow so use everything we give you you know make sure you just talk to your mentors and uplines because we're here ultimately for you we're putting the families first but we're also putting you first and that's something i'm, I'm striving to do as well
0: that's awesome man thank you caleb for sharing thank you for uh chiming in and telling us your story dynamic much more things to come out of you um but up until this point doing amazing things helping a lot of people man thank you for sharing Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. God bless you, man. Thank you for listening, everybody. Appreciate you.